0: You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight.
1: We have to start with the New York Rangers. And by the way, hit me up on Twitter at Butler. You can join the conversation that way on Twitter and Instagram, Butler, Or you can hit us up on the phones at 800-919-3776. we got to start with the Rangers because uh, my question to the fans out there would be, if I told you before the season... That All you had to do was to go to Carolina and win one game to punch your ticket into the Eastern Conference Finals for the first time in seven years. Would you take it? The answer would be a resounding yes. So that's the situation you have in a little more or a little less than 20 hours from now because Game 7 tomorrow night in Carolina between the Rangers and the Hurricanes, it's going to be exciting, obviously, because it's Game 7, but it's, a, it's also an emotional roller coaster the rangers just 8 days ago down to nothing in the series and i mentioned dave because i'm i'm doing the show with him on saturday and he was distraught i had to be the one reasoning with him because he felt like this team you know was was on the cusp of having its season end and rightfully so carolina up 2-0 looked like the better team but i said the first two games were so close you have every right to still be confident in their ability to come back. They return to the Garden for Games 3 and 4. They even the series. They lose Game 5. And then last night, they win Game 6 to force a Game 7. So here we are. One game for all the marbles. Tomorrow night, you can catch all the action beginning at 7.30 p.m. Eastern right here on 98.7 ESPN. Should be a fun one. It's going to be the culmination of what's been a really good series. Now, the game last night didn't feel that close. 5-2, to two, the Rangers won. But the roller coaster. Carolina goes up 2 0. The Rangers tie the series 2 2. Then Carolina takes control up 3 2. And now it's knotted at three games apiece. So if you're a Ranger fan, my question to you is how you feeling today? Because come tomorrow night, there's, there's gonna be a, a tremendous amount of anxiety. You could in theory be, you know, 60 ice minutes away from the Eastern Conference Finals, and then we have a, a, a legitimate conversation about what your title chances are. Because Ranger fans, you remember the letter sent out in, in 2018 when, when they essentially punted on the rest of the season because they wanted to go into a rebuild mode, But now four years later, <laughs> you're on the cusp of, of, of being in the Eastern Conference Finals. So h- how do you feel today? got to be excited got to be nervous it's an amalgamation of emotions but coming off of that win last night where it's you know welcome back to the party Panarin who scored his first goal of the series in that third period and all you keep hearing from Ranger fans is you know we're going to find out after after the series ends whenever it does end he's battling some type of an injury but he was able to get on the board last night and what can you say about Igor Shosturkin I mean, I sent this tweet out last night at Tidy Butler on Twitter and it seems like people are on both sides of the fence, but I, I just and not that I'm some you know, hockey connoisseur, but just just watching Shesterkin, I said, at what point do we start to have the discussion about Igor's Peak versus Hanks? And not that he's a better player than Hank. I mean that's a ridiculous conversation, but I'm just talking about them at their absolute apex because what Storkin has been able to do throughout this season and in this series has been remarkable and people are going to bring up he's been pulled a couple of times but listen you're not in this position that you are now on the brink of getting to the conference finals without the superb play of Igor Storkin I mean he was he was unbelievable last night 37 save shots uh, he's the fifth goalie in NHL history to have two assists in a playoff game and uh, he's clearly been their best player, their most important player, their vital play, their vital piece. And if they can find a way to get this done, who who knows? The type of imprint he can have as far as his resume is if the Rangers do go on some type of run where they're able to, to win a Stanley Cup. But let's let's not get too far ahead. They've got a game seven to play tomorrow. So I just want to hear from the Ranger fans. How you guys feeling out there? And, and and by the way, on the flip side, uh not to to bring the mood down terribly, but if they do lose tomorrow how do you cap the season like how, how do we write the season obituary for this ranger team it was to me without question a success when you consider what the expectations were coming into it now you begin to recalibrate your expectations based on how the team performs then you get to the playoffs and i said you can't lose that first round series to pittsburgh your favorite uh, your favorite to win the series you got to get it done they were able to do that but now the consensus seems to be that they're playing with house money. If you're a Ranger fan, they lose that game tomorrow. It's a successful season. How disappointing is it going forward? Because you still do have this young core. But I, I just always try to, to, to refrain from this whole house money idea because you just never know what's going to happen. Injuries happen. Guys you know, seem to not perform the way that you would have expected. It was the same conversation I had with Alan Hahn, who's going to join us at, at 1.30 about the Yankees in 2017. It was a big argument um, between us, or debate, I should say. Uh, he he said that series was house money for the Yankees. They were not expected to be there. They were young. This was setting them up for the future. And I said, listen, you you can say that, but we know it, it's so hard to get back to that point where you're on th- right there on the brink of winning a championship like the Yankees were. In, in 2017 uh, in Game 7 in Houston. And then since then, they haven't been able to get back there. Now, it's a little bit of dif- of a difference. You know, cross-sport references aren't exactly apples to apples. But I-, I just like to stay away from this idea of you're playing with house money. When you've got a chance to win a title, uh, you're all in emotionally because it's just so, so tough to get back there. So, I can't wait to hear from the Ranger fans today. 800 919 377776. Hit me up on Twitter at Ty D Butler. 800 919 3776. And last night, the Rangers got a huge boost from Barclay Goodrow returning to the lineup. He missed 11 games. And you you heard the excitement when he was announced as part of the starting lineup. That That was such a boost for them to get him back out there, one of their best players. And now that you're in a Game 7 situation, I I hate to use the cliche because we try to avoid them as much as we can. But anything can happen in a Game 7. Anything can happen. And, And when you take a look at Carolina's home road splits, they're startling. Haven't won a road game in the playoffs, but they're undefeated at home. At some point, if that team is going to win a championship, that has to change. But if you're the Rangers, you're hoping that does not change tomorrow. You can end their season in Carolina. And listening to Don LaGreca, who is our hockey expert here on the station, he was on with Anita Marks. He said all the pressure is on Carolina. They were expected to win this series. They're expected to win Game 7. It's on their home ice. Most would argue they're the better team. All the pressure on Carolina, I won't quite go that far because, you know, when – two teams are involved in a playoff game, naturally there there is a, a pizza chart of pressure. We divide it. So I wouldn't say all the pressure's on Carolina because there is pressure you know, on the Rangers to win this game, but I would say majority of the pressure's on Carolina. 1,000%. But can they get it done? They've blown three leads in this series... The Rangers, by the way, by my math, are now are, are now six and zero and must win games because you go back to the Penguin series; they played three straight elimination games, being down three one games five six and seven. They were never going to win this series against Carolina if they went down three one or three zero. So that's two more that they won in that situation, and then last night. So six straight quote unquote must win games the Rangers have put, been involved in. They've won. And they're 5-0 in elimination games overall. So I'm looking forward to tomorrow night. Uh, let's go to your calls. Uh, let's start with John in New Jersey. He wants to check in. You'll bat lead off today. What's up, John?
2: Hey, Ty. How you doing, boss? I'm
1: doing well, um, man. I'm blessed and highly favored. How you doing?
2: I'm doing great. Thank you for taking my phone call. Uh, hey, I love me some days. That's how i spoken to you before, but, you know, congrats, and I love your knowledge also. Hey, man, go get them. Thank you, bro. But, um,
1: Appreciate you.
2: But thank you. But about the Rangers last night, like, you know, I was – I took my old lady out for sushi and um, watching the game, but that's amazing. Now, ah, ah, ah. Uh, I I was never big on hockey, but it's amazing. And, you know, home team, you know, I'm from, again, no Bergen, but you got to root for the Rangers, and it's amazing what's going on.
1: Yeah, it's been a fun run. I appreciate the, the, the call, John. It's been a, an exciting run. And when you just look at recent history here in New York sports, not a lot of success. The football teams have been just an absolute train wreck between the Jets and Giants. Now, there seems to be a trending in, in the right direction for both the teams uh, under new leadership, and, and uh, lots are, are high on them after the draft. But what we've gotten fr- from the football the last decade or so I know the Giants went to the playoffs in 2016 but just remove that from the equation and and it's just been a dumpster fire in basketball the Knicks made the playoffs last year were expected to take uh, that next leap this season fresh off of what Julius Randle did and the type of uh, player he became they were supposed to take that next step and they didn't just like miss the playoffs. They didn't even qualify for the top ten being in the play in game. And that was decided uh, weeks you know, weeks before the season ended. So that was a, 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 a just a disaster in that regard. The Nets were one of the favorites to win the championship, got swept in the first round. They were in a play in game. Now I get circumstances dictated that with Durant's injury and the whole Harden debacle, Kyrie being unvaccinated and not allowed to play in home games for a large part of the season, but to not win a single playoff series is an embarrassment. Now, with baseball, the Mets haven't been haven't won a playoff game since 2015. They made the playoffs in 2016, but they were done in the wild card round. Uh, so they haven't had anything going right for them. The Yankees have been competitive, obviously contending for championships, but haven't won anything this year. Both teams are, to me, are clearly in the top five uh, in the sport um, based off of what we see in the first 40 or so games. So, again, there is a, a trend going in the right direction. But all of that to say, with the Rangers being on the cusp of a, an Eastern Conference Finals berth, it has to galvanize the city. Because you watch all these, you know, Boston and Houston and, and L.A. Like, they're winning championships. New York, he's given us nothing. And, and with all due respect to NYCFC, I mean, it's not the same thing. So with the Rangers, maybe they are going to grab those casual fans or, or those people who aren't accustomed to watching. Because playoff hockey is intense. It's exciting. Even if you're not rooting for the teams involved, you, you just feel anxiety watching playoff hockey. And with this run that the Rangers are on, you just hope that you can kind of incite the non-hockey watchers, the non-hockey observers to, to want to be a part of this run and going forward stick with this team. Because regardless of what happens tomorrow night for the Rangers, uh, they're going to be a force. Assuming health is not a question and, and they continue to ascend the way that we think they will, uh, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with going forward. Uh, let's go to Seth here in New York. He wants to weigh on the Rangers. Talk to me, Seth. What's up?
2: Hey, big-time Ranger fan right here. My boys and I have been loving this series. Every game is an extra bonus for us because we're a year ahead of schedule right now.
1: I get that. So let me ask you this, Seth, because I, you're a year ahead of schedule. But I, I come from the, the the school of thinking that as you progress through a season – You recalibrate what your expectations are. So maybe you didn't start the year thinking you'd be in the second round of the playoffs in a Game 7 against the Hurricanes. But now that you've seen the team have this level of success, you still think that with the loss tomorrow, it's just, yeah, we're a year ahead of of schedule. It's not going to be as devastating?
2: I mean, I wouldn't want to lose Game 7 tomorrow. I'm hoping that they're going to bring out what they brought out last night or even the game that my older son and I were at. We were at game three at the Garden. I mean, home ice is huge because of the crowd. But, uh, you know, I'm just hoping that they come out strong tomorrow. They give Igor some support because he needs it, you know, especially on the road.
1: Appreciate the call, Seth. And and the key, and you can say this in any sport, uh, a game seven on the road. You can say this in baseball. You can say this in, in the NBA. And then tomorrow night if the rangers are able to secure an early lead the amount of pressure that that puts on carolina coming in as the favorites not just in, in, in the game but in the series you get out to an early lead and all of a sudden they're thinking about how they were up 2-0 they were up 3-2 and now they're in a must win game 7 situation at home trailing that that's going to be a lot to overcome against a, a you know a great a great rangers team a, 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 a great Rangers team with an excellent goaltender. So getting that early lead is going to be important tomorrow for the New York Rangers. Jay in the Bronx, talk to me. What's up? Hi, what's going on, buddy? Nothing much, man.
3: Yo, man, I just want to say, man, it's really a pleasure to see you doing uh, this show solo, man. I'm really proud of you, bro.
1: Thank you, bro. Appreciate the love, man. To so God real, be the man. glory. It's um, so a God
3: be the glory. What's up? Uh, the Rangers, man. I- I'm nervous as hell tomorrow night. I already got anxiety, and it's not even today, the <laughs> game. I ain't going to lie, man. This, this, this Carolina team makes me nervous.
1: Yeah, I mean, they um, should make you nervous. They're undefeated. At, they're 7-0 and at home. Uh, that's still an excellent team. They were up 2-0 yeah. for a reason. But what I, what I would say is this, and I'll, I'll let you continue your point. You were... That, that Kako goal that he should have scored in game one, you could have been up in the series, and that completely changes the complexion of the series. I think these two teams are evenly matched. Um, it is apparent that home ice seems to have been the difference, but you can absolutely go out there and win that game tomorrow. Absolutely. But I would be nervous, too. I would be nervous, too, because it's a, it's a do-or-die situation. Your season uh, and a blink could be over tomorrow night
3: absolutely and and to your point with the, the kako goal for sure there was, there's been a lot of things in the series actually that you know uh how do you say it uh kind of i don't even know what to say but there's has been a lot of weird things going on but i think if the Rangers come out tomorrow night and and stay focused play their game there's no reason they can't win this game man and um keep it going uh chad man it's really good to
1: hear from you brother. have a good day appreciate the love from the bxj yeah <laughs> It's, it's so funny why we love sports, and you list the reasons. One of it is, you know, Game 7, do or die situation, and you want to be on the the winning end of that. But just think about the, the the whirlwind of emotions. You go from last night feeling like you're on top of the world. That game was never really in question late. Um, I, I know Carolina made a, made a little bit of a run in that second period, but I, I always felt the Rangers, once they were up, well, they went up 3-0. Once they were up, I, I never felt like Carolina was threatening in that situation. So you feel that sense of ease. But then immediately, once that game ends, you're looking forward to game seven. And once again, your season is on the line. Immediately, your season is on the line again. So that's what happens when you trail in these series, just like they were trailing 3-1 to the Penguins. It, it, for Ranger fans, you're you're in back-to-back game sevens. It doesn't get much worse than that from an anxiety-level standpoint. Let's head to Lake Grove and, and talk to Jeff. What's up, man? What
2: you got? Hey, man. What's going on, yeah, So I just wanted to kind of chime in here a little bit. So when it comes to this Game 7, I'll be honest. So, like, a lot of Rangers fans, I feel like they just put their, like, emotional picks in when they think what's going to happen. If I'm being honest, I think that we're going to lose this Game 7. But, granted, I obviously hope we win. But just from the standpoint of that fact that they're just undefeated at home, I feel like the team just plays differently. But I will tell you this. If they play the way they played in that Game 7 against Pittsburgh, there's not a shred of a doubt that we're going to smack them at their own percent Smack
1: them. So not just win, but you, you would go all the way to say smack them. A team that's undefeated at home, I smack agree. them.
2: I only, say that. I, I only say that for if two things happen. One, if you watched the other night, we got in their head bad. We got in their head real bad. You saw D'Angelo chirping. You saw everyone else. Like, even people like Jesper Fox, who's not really a scrapper, trying to get in and trying to start stuff. It's like we're getting in their head bad. And I just think that's because, granted, we were playing at home. But I just think if we get in their head like we did and we played like we did against Pittsburgh in Game 7, I think we'll smack them. But that's just my opinion. And, again, I'm not saying that from an emotional standpoint. I'm saying that from just talking and watching them throughout this whole year and then through the first round and now in the second round.
1: I love it, Jeff. I love the confidence. And in a Game 7 situation, and we can break down the X's and O's. We can do locker room speeches and pregame talks. It comes down to your best player. In Game 7, it's about your best players. And we saw that last series with Mika and with Panarin and what they were able to do to get that team a victory in overtime over the Penguins. Yeah, best players have to step up. Panarin scores a goal last night. Maybe that, you know, loosens him up a bit, and he's able to come out there and perform. Uh, You know, Hito last night where he scored two of the five goals. Igor again has to come up big. It's about your best players, but it all comes down to this. We none of us know what's going to happen. It's it's game seven. Anything can happen, which is why we love sports. Let's go to friend in Massapequa who wants to talk some baseball. What's up, friend? My man, Kai. Love Yo, it. Love it. Love what's it. What's good? What up, baby? Talk to me. What's you, up? Man, you are
3: smooth, kid. You you sound great. Thank you, you man. Fit right in, baby. Yeah.
1: Listen, I'm trying, man. I appreciate the love, bro. Really appreciate it. Well, you just it. keep doing it because it do not sound like you're trying. Sound. It
3: sounds absolutely normal. Thank you, bro. What's All up? Right. Talk to now, me. Listen. Yeah, you know I love you. I love Dave. I love everything you do with Dave. But as a Mets fan, I man, don't first of all don't throw the don't throw the jinx out there. We, we're in great shape. But what I wanted to just say was, as a Mets, I'm a diehard Mets fan. I don't like Yankee fans. I'll be honest with you. But I respect the 28 World Series. Now, you know, it's when you were saying that you know the Mets win a the game, they get all excited. The Yankees win a the game, they don't. They want the World Series. That's their main goal. That's totally understandable. But the Yankees are in a different stratosphere from anybody in sports. Ty, they got 28 championships. What is the closest uh, team in baseball? I think it's the Cardinals have seven or eight, maybe or or maybe ten. You know what I mean? So we, as Mets fans, we have to be excited over a win or over being in first place, 33 games into the season or 40 games into this, whatever it is. 41, that's a, that's, that's, there's nothing like a Yankee fan or a Yankee being a Yankee fan because you guys have had it all. You've had the Babe Ruth, the Mickey Mantles, you've had, you know, just incredible stuff and, and nobody can take that away from you, but you have to understand, I, I know it's hard for you guys because the Yankees are the greatest team in baseball history and I'm a Mets fan, die hard, I hate the Yankees, but that's the truth. So you just got to have a little compassion. I know you're
1: Oh, the- uh, we're losing you, friend. I, I, we're losing you. Just, just real quick. It's a different
3: world between the Yankees and everybody else in sports. It is. Not, it no, is. not just the Mets. Love you, buddy. Doing a great job. You sound perfect. You sound like you've been doing it for
1: 100 years. Keep it up. God bless you and the family, bro. Thank you. Really appreciate the love, man. Thank you so much. Uh, to to your, your point about where the Yankees Uh, fair compared to other franchises as far as World Series titles yeah they're at uh, 27 looking for 28 the next best team the Cardinals at 11 and then that's it for double-digit championships in baseball history it's the Yankees at 27 the Cardinals at 11 and everyone else is in single digits you have the Red Sox uh the A's and uh, the Red Sox and A's are at nine so uh, yeah, I mean it, it, but but that that's the point I'm making like there's a like people get so frustrated with Yankee fans because of the commentary um after like playoff losses or even regular season losses and it's like, wow, you sound like a spoiled brat and it's like no, not spoiled. It's just when there's a standard of excellence that has been set that is what you gravitate toward. That's what you're conditioned to believe. It's the same with the Lakers. The Lakers, two years f- removed from winning a championship, just fired their head coach. If the Sacramento Kings won a championship, they're they're inducting that head coach into the ring of honor. He's not getting fired two years later. Frank Vogel won a title the next year, uh, got bounced in round one the following year, missed the playoffs, and now he is unemployed. Alabama football, you know, Duke basketball, like there are certain organizations where there's such an excellent or a standard of excellence for winning that it kind of changes how you view things and how you react to things. So the Yankees, no one's going to feel bad for them that they've gone 13 straight years without making a World Series appearance because, I mean, look at other teams and, and, and never won titles, never won championships, and I just gave you the breakdown of, of number of rings uh, they have compared to everyone else. But when you're the Yankees, you, you operate on a different scale. So that was just my point. Like we're we're looking ahead to, uh, to October. It's not about the regular season. And by the way, I'll take you a step further. If the Yankees don't at the very least make the World Series this year, Tom, tell me if you agree with this. You watch the Yankees. If the Yankees don't at the very least make the the World Series this year, then it sounds crazy to say, but watch it happen. Next year, the regular season might become irrelevant because now you will have 2018, 103 games, no World Series appearance. 2019, 100, 100 wins, no World Series appearance. This year, they're going to—I mean— barring something significant happening, they're going to win 100 games this year again, and you don't make the World Series, going into next year, no one's going to care about the regular season. It's just going to be like, all right, wake me up. Some people are there now. So imagine they have this spectacular regular season where they weren't expected to be this good. They blow everyone out of the water during the regular season. They get to the playoffs and flame out again. No one's going to care about the regular season next year. Am I off base by saying that? Is that is that off base? Is that off base to say, Tom?
4: I don't believe so, Ty. I, th- I think you're I think you're on the right track here with where you're going with it.
1: Yeah. So it's like you kind of have to ignore the whole spoiled brat nature because because it's just how Yankee fans are conditioned to be. It, it is what it is. I mean, when when your team has won that many championships, that's that's the motto now. That's the motto.
4: Yep, it's exa- that's exactly right. Now, as a spoiled Yankee fan myself, I'd like to point out that that is the motto I'm running with. Now, I'm not going to be screaming in Yankee Stadium, hunt for 28, no. I'm more concerned about just winning this year. We, yes. haven't, we haven't been a winner in over a decade, <laughs> so we need to cool it with the 28 stuff. Exactly. Like, just, just win one in 2020. Let's start there.
1: Listen, so there, there is someone who called yesterday and... Like, it, it just put things into a perspective that I had never thought about. He said he was 17 years old, and he barely remembers the last time the Yankees won a championship. Like, that just sounds so bizarre to me. Like, for a Yankee fan to be out there and to utter the words, yeah, the last time they won a championship, I barely remember that. You hear that from Jet fans who have—I've never seen a Jet the Jets win a championship— but you, it's been so long, it's like, oh, I barely remember that. You hear that from Nick fans. Like, you hear that from starving fan bases. For a Yankee fan to say that, like, it's, there's a generation of Yankee fans out there who barely remembers the last time they won a title. Like, that's just so insane to me. It's so insane.
4: That, that's just crazy, Ty. Like I, I was—I think I was only like ten or maybe eh, ten years old when the Yankees last won their title. And I'm 22 right now, so I mean, he's 17 and doesn't remember the title. So he was four years old when it happened. I mean, I understand that. I mean, that's just weird to think of because you're right. The whole philosophy of the Yankees is we should, we should be remembering all these titles that we've won. But I mean, I guess that fan does have a point. They don't know what the true sense of winning is, especially when you've seen your rivals go. Even further, like the Red Sox. Oh, the I mean, Red
1: Sox, I'm so sick of them winning. I mean, it's 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 so far. So it hurts when you look at what the Red Sox and Astros have done. But then it's like, all right, since the last since the last time the Yankees were in the World Series, Texas has gone twice. Uh, the Giants have have won twice. Kansas City has gone twice. The Mets have been there. Cleveland's been there. Chicago ended a curse. Uh, the Dodgers have been there, what, three times, won once. The Braves won. The Nationals won. All these different teams that you wouldn't have expected. The Rays have been there uh, once, right? Because yeah, I was going to say twice, but 2008 was the first time. And then the Yankees won the championship in 2009. So when, when the Rays got there, it's been one time that they've been there since the Yankees last won. Uh, it, it's just crazy. It, it, it's so crazy. <laughs> it's so crazy. Alan, what's up, my brother? Long time no speak. How you doing?
0: Ty, what's happening, man? I, I mean, I I figured you become such a big star. You're getting your own show, uh, middle of the day here on a beautiful Sunday. And, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I don't know how long it took to get me on, but whatever it took, I had to get here.
1: Listen, listen, Alan. And
0: I, um, I understand that I'm not a first-hour guy, I guess, but, you know, hey. <laughs> You know you're not a
1: first hour guy. you're only the voice of ESPN radio national a, a, a guy who's about to engage in a first of big... all, how
0: dare you Mike Greenberg is the voice of ESPN radio
1: after Allen Hahn i i I may I may be biased but Alan Hahns my guy. you're gonna play two on two like what's this did i did I see the other day a video of uh Jay Williams crossing up Keyshawn Johnson in jeans
0: i I don't know I think so <laughs> uh you know. Oh my God! Some things are staged. I mean, there's a lot of (laughs) hostage videos out there of people all throughout (laughs) Bristol rooting for these guys, like they actually know them, um, like they're ever around. Yeah, know that kind of thing. So, I don't know. Look, I got dragged into this thing. I'm the average. I'm the average Joe here. You know, I'm the one guy that didn't play professional anything, and I'm still I'm bigger than everybody. Like you, you know, you you know me. I mean, I'm bigger than all of them, and I'm you know the average Joe. I'm the guy with the uh, the useless height. And we'll see. We'll see if I can compete. We'll see if those knees can hold up. I just don't want you. I, I just watched
1: the Western Conference Finals, and I, I think Frank Ntilikina is still missing <laughs> wide open three pointers. Still man. missing. Still well, missing. Why are you doing to this that? day?
0: So just don't be that guy. Don't uh, be that guy. hate. <laughs> don't be that guy. Towards somebody that you know. The minute I say anything. Nick's Twitter will lose their mind let's not do it I am uh, I'm, by the way I'm. I'm texting you right now a photo of myself from about two weeks ago just you know Oh, I'm looking forward to seeing if if I have a little something left. Wow, he's
1: in the He's just dunked. The basketball is in the net. His his head is almost touching the rim. Most importantly, look at the distance between the ground and the Yes. Feet. for those who will go uh oh, rim's at 8 feet. Yeah, you've got some you got some height. You got some some uh some bungees. I see the the abs coming in? I don't know about that. Little triceps. I'll Let,
0: be 51 in a couple of weeks. Wow,
1: 51, man. Mm-hmm. All power to you. Let's start with uh, what I just talked about. I, 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 You know how much I love Kevin Durant. I think that over the next two weeks or so, now that the Warriors are in the finals for the sixth time in the last eight years, we're going to hear a lot about what another championship for that group would do to Kevin Durant's legacy, because he, he they won prior to him getting there. Mm-hmm. He leaves and they win another championship in the immediate season of them all being healthy. Now the last two years, you know, no Clay Thompson, Curry broke his hand, mm-hmm. so this is their first year with them being fully healthy, and now they're back in the, in the finals. Yep, so and a favorite, a, a, yeah, they're they're gonna be the favorites regardless of who wins tonight. They're gonna be the sure. favorites. Any legitimacy to? The impugning of, of of one Durant's legacy if the Warriors win a championship, just as far as like how everything unfolded. No,
0: no, I don't think it affects him at all. I, I don't. I don't feel like dragging him into this conversation, to be honest with you, because to me the bigger conversation is how, how much closer Steph Curry gets to LeBron James when it comes to Player mm. of the Generation. You know, that's that to me is the is a bigger story. When Kevin Durant went there, wanted he was he was Finals MVP, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, I mean, twice, two he, years he in did, a row. Yeah, he did. He did you know, contribute to winning championships. So it's not like, well, now, you know, Kevin's legacy is tarnished. Not at all. You know, multiple champ, you know, scoring champ, MVP, all that stuff. I mean, this guy's done everything. And then he made a decision to go somewhere and follow a player. And that was a precarious decision. But it doesn't change what kind of player he is. I don't think it affects his legacy on that level. Um, You know, the story still hasn't been, you know, completed yet with him and the decision to go to Brooklyn. But – I just think I'm watching this to see a couple of things. Number one, if if the Warriors win the championship, which – I don't know how you could think either team coming out of the East is winning a title when the Celtics were at home for a clinching game and <laughs> they played. I mean, you got to be kidding me with that performance. That was embarrassing. I mean, like so. So you're telling me there's your champion? Like your champion? That's your champion? <laughs> like come on. So and and everybody's everybody's banged up on that side of it too. Everybody's hurt, and the Warriors are just sitting around for six seven days getting a couple of guys back too, Peyton and uh, and um, Porter could come back as well, give them more depth. If they win the championship and Steph Curry finally long awaited gets the finals MVP for it, I mean, don't I don't I'm not saying he passes, but does he really is he that far behind LeBron James in this generation when it comes to impactful generational player? And I and I make the argument like this, Ty. LeBron James is a guy that became you know, like just like Michael Jordan, a megastar. Right, megastar transcends all sports. You know, he's known like the Midwest housewives who watch daytime soap operas know who LeBron James is. Right, like that's how that's how much of an impact he's had as a player, as a human. But who has changed the way we play the game in this generation more than Steph Curry? So I think those are two
1: different conversations because, they are. Uh, excuse me, as far as impact then maybe you can have the conversation. But if we're just looking overall at the body of work, here is where the argument ends. Okay. The 2016 NBA Finals, Steph Curry, uh, LeBron overcame a 3-1 deficit. Okay, so that's good enough to win the
0: argument. Who did he beat? Steph Curry. That's where the argument ends. I'm, like sorry. I'm sorry. Let's go back to that. How many times has Steph Curry beat LeBron? He finals? did. He did
1: beat LeBron. In I'm sorry. Finals. How many times? No, he, no. I'm, I'm,
0: I'm, I forgot. He beat it's him been three times to- because I, I ran. I stopped counting after two.
1: Well, to be fair, and this is just to be devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. So when they played in 2015, Oh, now Uh, we're gonna do this. LeBron do
0: this. Now we're gonna do the checklist. (laughs) Wait. So wait, the 3 1 comeback. Can we are we gonna checklist what happened in that series? But can't
1: we only count those two? Because once Durant joins the equation. no,
0: No, no, Ty. You count every championship because you're a Lakers fan. And if we're gonna play this game, I'm taking the bubble title away from you because there was no travel. You were it was like everyone, it was the perfect situation for Anthony Davis to never get hurt. But everyone he never had to get on a plane, the, never had to walk he just had to walk to a hotel room and back. Everyone so the, was under I'll the asterisk same. that championship if you're gonna put an asterisk on any other title.
1: Well here's the difference. Uh, I'm sorry, were the Lakers the only team um
0: operating with that advantage, or was every Doesn't other matter. team operating it, with it, that? You're same right, advantage? everybody operated on the same thing, but they all had six, seven months off and everybody played together, and it was the optimal situation. I'm not comparing it to them beating everyone else. I'm comparing it to every other championship ever played in the history of the sport. There's no other championship in the history of the sport was ever played in the same building for for a month, like it's never happened before. So that's what I'm comparing it to. I'll asterisk your Laker title in 2020 in the bubble. If you're going to start giving me the let's let's do the checklist of what happened in 2015 that allowed this team to win a championship, because you could do that for every single title. I'll tell you what, Michael Jordan's title, he pushed off. That shouldn't have been a title. Like, this is what we're going to do? I'm not playing that game. All, no, all I'm saying is,
1: like, if once you add Kevin Durant to the equation, it's hard to argue it's, it's, it's still Steph versus LeBron. So I'm saying, can we just, for a moment, shelf – um, 2017 and 2018 when they met in the finals. If we're going to just no.
0: 2015 and I'm 16, not, not it's 1-1. It's I'm, not 1-1. Pl- I'm not playing that game. And LeBron
1: went to 10 NBA, f- 10 oh, straight okay. finals. Right.
0: That's right. And how many did he lose out of them? He he, he won four mm. of them. Oh, but how many did he lose <laughs> out of them? And, and then let's go back again a little more. You want Again, let's start playing games. Let's shelve this title and shelve that title. Uh, how many superstars was he playing with? When he lost to Dirk Nowitzki and the Mavs. Uh, that's a
1: bad one. I mean, that's the it's the worst blemish. Uh, My uh, point of his is, career. Ty, is
0: we could do this all day. We can, not and can't. I'm talking about impact players of their generation. And everybody will always point to championships as a final piece. So the common denominator now between them will be titles. If and big if the Warriors win the championship, it will be a common denominator now. So that's your that's that's one equal. Then I say continue with it. How many other players have won multiple scoring titles, multiple MVPs, multiple championships? Michael Jordan, Will Chamberlain, and Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Steph Curry. That's the end of the list. So well, like and then take take it to a step further and say Has the game changed the way we play since that dude entered the league? It has. And I will say yes. It 100% has. Just watch the Miami Heat try to shoot threes when they're down by 12. It's embarrassing how bad they take threes. Nobody knows how to use the three-point shot. They just take them now in the NBA. It's hard to watch. Only good shooting teams take advantage of it, and the Warriors and Steph Curry are that team. So it's his impact on the generation – and his ability to win, and I might add, staying in one place his entire career. I think he—I didn't say he passed them, but object in the mirror are a lot closer than they appear. Uh, LeBron's got four Finals MVPs. Uh, Steph's looking for his
1: first one, so I think mm-hmm. that's going to be a feather in his cap. I think it's important, but I do uh, think
0: it's important. Uh,
1: but it, it's—it feels funny uh, just looking ahead to tonight's game. Uh, Alan Hahn on with us. Game 7 between the Celtics and Heat good reset it almost well <laughs> there you go buddy. Might, might introduce yourself and, <laughs> and tell everybody what station it is because they might not know Ty Butler 97 ESPN <laughs> no. um, it, it, it almost feels like the team that is hosting that the number one seeded Miami Heat who are two years removed from winning a championship, who have the better coach, who one could say at least right now historically have the best player, like Jimmy Butler all-time versus Jason Tatum, that could change. But right now Jimmy Butler is more accomplished than Tatum. Fair. It feels like we have to make the case as to why they're not going to get blown out tonight. When seven, <laughs> when when the numbers say that 76% of the time the team hosting this Game 7 goes on to win, yes. I feel like everyone's on the Celtics.
0: I feel like you're right. This is first of all. This is a series that I thought was going seven, and after game five, I'm like, I, I wish this series would be over. Like, like, Ty, you love basketball. Is this not the worst series you've you've seen as a correspondent? It's been terrible Painful <laughs> it's basketball. Been terrible. It's just been, and then you know what it is? It's been painful basketball with with moments of wow, that was pretty cool, right? You know what I mean? Like, like that's really what this has been: painful basketball. Where I mean, I remember the third quarter. Of Game Five, the Heat took a couple of threes that hit nothing but the oh, glass. Oh, Victor Ol-
1: and on the same on the same possession. The it glass. was Victor Oladipo, and then by the way, oh. two possessions later, Jimmy Butler airballed a, yes. a, a mid-range shot. Yes.
0: <laughs> yes. So, so you're right. I don't know what to predict at all. Like, what is the trend in this series? The only trend is is that one team plays like crap, the other team plays really well, and then they swap. It's like the Rangers and Hurricanes. You already know what the trend is. The home team's going to win. That's it. The home team's going to win, and the road team can't score. <laughs> like it's just, and, and I think in this series, it's been the first quarter will let us know which team is going to win the game just by who got off to a better start than the other. It's as simple as that. That's why I was mind-boggling game six to watch the start of that game. It was mind-boggling, and, and then
1: Jalen Brown, you know, two free throws in a tie game with a chance yeah, to give his rough. team the lead, yeah. misses At both home. free throws. I don't know what was worse, though. Was was that worse than on uh, after? After Miami takes the lead, Boston comes down, misses a shot, yep. and then Derek White, who's having the game of his life, foul a take foul. Why? When his team is in the bonus, and then is complaining to the officials.
0: Yes. Yeah, he literally wraps around <laughs> his rib, pulls his rib, and then looks at the ref like, "What did I do?" Like, <laughs> well, I mean, you can't do that. Yeah, so that. we're gonna call that. Like, like it's I don't know, but that's that's been this series though, Ty. That's been this series, and and that's what makes to me this game so compelling Like, is that I don't know what's going to happen. so Game 7s are just because we know they're the the ultimate game. It's the elimination game. It's the closest thing we have to March Madness in the NBA. And so that's what makes it compelling is to watch it. But I want to see, does the trend continue where whoever has the upper hand, whoever kind of takes charge in the first quarter, if that holds true for the rest of the game – Or are we going to finally have, although I guess game six was sort of a pretty good back and forth, it just was an ugly back and forth. But still, it's compelling because it is so unpredictable. But the one thing I can predict is neither one of these freaking teams are winning the title. No chance (sighs) are they beating the Warriors. I I, I covered the Western Conference Finals, and I watched those games very closely. And I watched the Warriors, and I gave Luka a lot of credit, and they had to shoot out of their minds in game four just to avoid the sweep. But the Warriors, never mind what they do offensively. Defensively, defensively, they're just—we are not giving them enough credit for just how good, how tough, and how
1: versatile they are defensively. And not to sound like a dork, but sometimes it's not <laughs> even just what they do, like physically on defense. It's just like how they think the game. They play
0: box in one.
1: They're trying to triangle in yeah, everyone...
0: two. Like they were trying everything. Zone. They zone <laughs> you up, and they make you, And I'll tell you what: if the Heat go, if the Heat win this thing and go to the finals, watch the Warriors play exclusively oh, zone. Jimmy Butler, hundred oh, percent, just zone it up, box in one, and just dare the Heat. Let's just see if you guys are going to make threes because I watched that series against Boston and you guys can't. And the weird thing is, is that they were the number one three point shooting team in the league this year. Yeah, they were but yet they hit glass. <laughs> like
1: well, glass. Victor Oladipo has got to stop that. Can I just push back just on one thing that you just said? And now everyone's, and I would agree that regardless of the, the outcome tonight, the Warriors should be the favorites. Right. But Give how reset real quick, real quick, reset, reset, <laughs> reset. new <laughs> listeners. Ty Butler on 9870 ESPN. We're talking to Alan Hahn of hey, Warren Hahn. Um, so the Warriors, a little fortunate, right? Like, you play the, the Nuggets in round one. It's Jokic and a bunch of uh, Alan Hans with, you know, <laughs> Alan Hans and, and Bart Scott. How, how dare you? Uh, then you get to round two. Yeah, the Grizzlies are the two seed, but then John Morantz lost for half the series, and it still goes six. You got all the controversy with uh, Dylan Brooks. And then you play the Mavs. The Mavs were not supposed to be there. It took an epic meltdown by the Suns, scoring 27 points at home in a game seven when you got Chris Paul and and Devin Booker in your backcourt. So a little good fortune for the Warriors. Are they as good as what we've seen? Oh, no. They're not the team
0: they were. No, I, I'm, I'm,
1: not that, yeah. not, not, not comparing them to to what they were. I'm saying, is oh. this team as good as what we've actually seen them do in the playoffs? Just because the competition has it, it's not like they're going up against Listen, elite competition. I get that,
0: and the Grizzlies. Um. Obviously, we're a really tough team this year. We know that, right? We know how hard they played. We know how well organized they were. We know how well they were twenty and what were they twenty and six without Ja, right? During the regular season, yeah, like it was- they, they, they could no, no, I understand, but they they knew how to play without him. So when they lost him, they still had that one last you know push back, which, and I do think the Warriors are. You know, because they've been there, done that kind of thing. They, they messed around when they went to Memphis. They shouldn't have done that. They went home. They took care of business. They got it done right. Yeah. But that series could have been over in five. It could have. They messed around a little bit. They again, you get off to that great start. I mean, the
1: Grizzlies had a lead late yes. in Game Six, and late late in Game Six, the Grizzlies did have a lead. But I sure,
0: I, I'm with you. I'm with yeah, you. I know it, it's just like I get. I get that they lost their best player. You're right. They they the and the the Warriors lost the best player to defend that great player you know they had a guy that was defending him and then he got hurt yeah so there was weird things that happened in that series i was thinking the same thing when dallas got to the conference final i thought all right this this is going to be two different things this could either be like when they played portland a couple of years ago i remember that they, portland was there and they just blew them out the door They fourth swept them and, or is this like the 07 lebron you know where luka just drags them to the finals because he's just so freaking good and it ended up being the other the, you know the opposite it really should have been a sweep they cut that thing down to eight, and, and Kerr had to put his starters back in. But it took three quarters of the Mavericks shooting out of their minds just to have just to build the lead that they built. And the Warriors weren't all there in that game for various reasons, including of course the events of the day that had Steve Kerr very yeah. emotional.
1: Yeah, and that was uh that, that Steve Kerr at his best. He's always on the right side of those issues. Yep. Uh, let me uh, can I say something to you that no one wants to admit? You always do. <laughs> uh we we badly uh, we always say because it's like be careful what you wish for and because when you get it you might not actually like it mm. we want parity we want fresh blood we want new blood we miss LeBron and Durant yeah. in the playoffs. Hell yeah. Like, having yeah. those guys win a combined zero playoff game. Well, Durant won one in the playing round. But once you get to the top eight, having those guys win a no, combined no. one playoff game is not not great for the league. We miss Giannis as well. Yes. It's, the, the juice
0: just isn't there uh, that it's supposed to be this time of year. I said that about the conference final, the Eastern Conference final. There's, there's no sizzle at all. No, Everybody got mad at me. It was, well, Jason Tatum is—you must be a Celtics fan. <laughs> yes. well, Jimmy Butler is just as—all good. All right, you must be a Heat fan. <laughs> <laughs> because you know, I, I think Jimmy Butler is a terrific player, he's, he's, but there's levels to everything, and elite is a room that doesn't have a lot of space in it, so not everybody can fit in that room. And are the elites that were left in the final four were in the West. It was Luca. It was Steph. That's your elites. That's it. They were the ones left. On the other side, it's Jason Tatum could become an elite. I mean, he's got Kevin Durant and Giannis now. Those pelts are on the wall, and he's one win away from putting the Miami Heat and Jimmy Butler in their defense, they, you know, Miami's culture, culture club. Put that on the wall. But it's still, you know, as as much as he's growing into something, is it's not that, you know, I'm with you. I We miss LeBron. We miss Giannis, you know, in the conference finals. Once he was out, it was sort of like, okay, he's gone now. There was no Durant, which, of course, is another player that people, people come watch. Just look at the ratings. ESPN did very well in the Eastern Conference, right? They they did well, but TNT, I mean, just dominated. I mean, you're talking about as far as TV eyeballs on that seven yeah. million people were watching the the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, I, I mean, mean that's a big deal, and it's because of Steph Curry, Steph Curry, and then Luca and Luca, what, and Luca the 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 pull that he has. Yeah, stars drive the league. We know this, and we do get it, there was a saturation of. LeBron versus the Warriors for you know x amount of years in a row, and it just sort of roll your eyes at like, oh my god, like can we get somebody else in here? The problem is, is that then we get somebody else in here, and we're like, yeah, nah, <laughs> I'm not all that interested. Because
1: when we talk about you know players run the league, it's not just about player movement; it's about legacies. We love having what Stories. would another title have yeah. done for Giannis? Because now he's got DPOI, he's got two Finals MVPs, he's got two regular season MVPs. Even last year, right? Yeah. Even last
0: year was sort of even though it was Suns and Bucks. It was Chris Paul who had never been to the mountaintop, and yeah. Giannis who had to, who had to kind of uh, establish what two MVPs were going to be, like like Jokic next year, Jokic next year. He better start getting the smoke now about, all right. Oh, he will. It's great you got two MVPs, but are you guys going to win? Yeah. Like he, well, well, are they'll we going to be, be Gentlemen sweeps now? Let's go. <laughs> they'll be healthy next They yeah. will, but the West is going to be tough. It's going
1: to be tough. Allen Hine yeah. joining us here. Ty D. Butler going up until uh, 3 p.m. Uh, so before we – I got a quick baseball question for you. And okay. then obviously I got to have one Nick question before I get you off. Oh, uh,
0: before we get there. So who you got tonight, game seven? Uh, I. It's funny. I, I got to believe the Celtics are just the better team they're the Why? better team it's 3-3 I, I, they're the better team on paper they they have to be the team to win here and if I'm telling you it doesn't mean they will but if you ask me who do I have like I'm telling you I have no clue who's going to win this game based on what I've seen in this series. series but if you are asking me to pick I have to pick the better team and the Celtics are the better team Simple yeah. as that. They just blew it at home. I don't know why. It's on the fence. It's,
1: it's always funny, though, when people— Who do you are, have? I, I got Miami winning. Mm-hmm. I, I I think Spostra, he's got the, the coaching edge. And I know Odoka's Adolka, been no, he, yeah, fantastic. But, but Spost's a great coach. he you could argue, he's the best coach in the NBA. Yep. Jimmy Butler, uh, what he was able to do in that last game. I don't know if he's going to give you, um, what was it, 47, 9, and 8 I don't know if he's going to give you that tonight, but I still think he's going to be pretty good. And then maybe Kyle Aria hit a big shot or two. But quickly, Yankees. So Gleyber Torres just put the Yankees on top of the home run. Uh, He's got nine home runs this season. Uh, Yankees up 1-0 in the top of the second in Tampa Bay. So is it fair to say that the reason why Yankee fans aren't Celebrating as much as Met fans are is because the expectations are just different, and like show me regular season success. I've seen it before, but now I really want to see postseason success. Is
0: that really what it comes down to? I think if you want to make it simple, yeah. I mean, it's it's that it's where you know we're still in May, and you know the injury bug is only just starting to hit. And Judge is basically the uh, the American League MVP right now. I would think like one of the at least a front runner and he's playing so well, but you, as I've said many times, we knew he could play like this. It's can he sustain it and stay healthy and do it for a whole season? That's all the things that a Yankee fan's looking at. So there's a lot of – it's not skepticism. You're enjoying this. Of course. But you, you're just sitting back. So it's just, okay, let's just get to uh, September feeling the same way we feel right now. And there's always been that skepticism that they can do that because it's past history that has kind of done that to us. And the Mets are that franchise that feels like they're winning, but this feels different because they've had good starts. But now you feel like you actually have a, a, a you know, a functional franchise, an adult, that, <laughs> and, and, and an, yeah, an adult in the room, and, and a manager who's running things the way it should. And even with the injuries to their number, number, the top three pitchers, they are going through a tough stretch of the schedule, and still, what really? are they doing? But putting up their offense is overcoming yeah. it, and and that's it's it's a reason to feel good because. Your past history says we always find a way to screw it up. But it doesn't feel like that anymore because you have adults in the room running running the franchise. By
1: the way, so that picture you sent to me um, of you dunking, yeah. the last time you were able to do that with ease was when the Mets were, won a playoff game. That's the last time the Mets won a playoff game. Allen Hahn was able to dunk with ease seven years ago. Been know, since 2015. I dunk on my birthday every day, Ty. Uh, every day. What's your feel for game seven tomorrow? Rangers, Canes? Uh, you, you said it, it's the home team winning every game, but can mm-hmm. the Rangers, if they get out to an early lead, all of a sudden there's some they pressure can. on the home lead on they the home can. team.
0: Here's why. Igor Shesterkin has yet to steal a game in the playoffs this year for the Rangers. He almost stole game one. He has yet to steal a game. That's what a great goalie does. Henrik Lundquist did it against the Capitals a whole bunch of years ago in a game seven. He's gotta do it tomorrow. That's it's that's how they win because that that Hurricanes team they're different at home, but if your goalie plays out of his mind, all you need is one. All you need is. Well, does it pain you as an Alice fan to watch this,
1: or are you just enjoying the run because nah, it's New the York?
0: Islanders made the final four in the last two years. They've had a good run here. They had a bit of bit of a step back year with all their issues, and they'll be back next year. I'm not concerned at all. All right, last
1: one for you, buddy. You know I got to ask you this, Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, You're going to say Darvin Ham? What do I think? <laughs> Darvin Ham. It's so funny. Like all the Laker fans are like pretending like they're Darvin Ham experts now. <laughs> you didn't know who he was two weeks ago, and now, <laughs> now he's on his way. Going to the Going ham, Lakers
0: going <laughs> ham. There's your headline.
1: He's going. To, he's going to be Phil Jackson. Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell. Nick, do uni- Nick uniform. I, I I saw some comment. Did I hear you talking about maybe he'd be the perfect fit for Miami? But you know, Nick fans would love to have him out here as well.
0: Yeah, and get up. I, I was. We were talking about what do the Heat need and all that stuff, and I just said that you know, if a guy that would fit the culture that they could, you know, they have pieces to trade for that might want out of Utah is Donovan Mitchell, and what a great fit he'd be there. And of course, every Nick fan in creation got mad at me. Like Pat Riley was watching Get Up that morning, going. Well, I never thought of that, <laughs> you know. And then they're going to hold up the jersey and go, you know, I never really thought about signing him, but then I was watching Get Up, and this guy said it'd be a great fit, and I'm like, yeah, that's a good idea. They went Alonzo like, morning you know, texting back and forth. <laughs> right. you watching, are you watching Get this? You wa- <laughs> like, you come watching on, this? Uh, I don't see him. I I just I think the Knicks would love to. I just don't know how he forces his way anywhere. So if he's unhappy and the Jazz say, we'll trade you, uh, Miami has better pieces to offer. There's one one team I, I can think of. There's, there's probably several others that would have more to offer. So it's just not, again, it's just not an easy thing to do. Um, so I'm just going to go with no and, and hope I'm wrong. I promise you I'm not a liar. When I
1: text you asking you to come on the show, it was supposed to only be for one segment. But, you know, every time this happens, we just got so much to talk about.
0: Blew through another break,
1: I, I, I blew through a break. I botched the clock. But I got you reset
0: pro- like three times. So, that, I mean, I, I, that's a good sign.
1: I mean, I've got the producers screaming at me in my ear. Hurley no, is upset because the clock has been botched. So, I mean, everything's going, going to pieces. I don't know if I'm going to be re- able to return for hour three. <laughs> We might need you to emergency come in and uh, hijack this thing. But I appreciate you, brothers. This was awesome, as always, man. Always good to talk to you, Ty. Talk to you later, buddy. All right, guy Allen Hahn. Make sure you guys check him and Bart Scott out every day from 12 to 3 right here on 98.7 ESPN. Quickly on the Mets, someone, I guess, took exception... On Twitter, to me declaring the NL East race over, and I, I get why on the surface you would say it's a bit premature, because we still got 75 percent of the season left to play. But I, I'm just looking at the facts, and the facts are that the Mets right now, not just that they're 31 and 17, 14 games clear of the 500 mark, not just that they're eight and a half games ahead in that division. No one else in that division is is at the 500 mark. Everyone else is below 500, So can we get there first? And and it's not like this is some fluky situation uh, with the Mets. They're a really talented team. They've got some of the best players in baseball in, in that clubhouse with with DeGrom and, and Scherzer who are shelled right now and they're, and they're being able to have this success. But once those guys come back, hopefully, then it's only going to add to the ceiling for this team. With Alonzo and what Lindor's been able to do his last 15 games. Uh, Lindor's been incredible. His last 15 games, 19 RBIs, 18 runs scored. He reached base for a team high 75th time last night in that final at bat in the win over the Phillies. So that, I mean, that's, that's a powerhouse right there right now. And not to mention, it's a guy you trust in Buck Showalter who even when adversity comes, he's going to be able to weather that storm. So I, I, you can say it's premature. I, I just think that division race is over. Now, the conversation then becomes about what the ceiling is for the Mets because you, you start to recalibrate what the expectations were. And now that we we can predict that they, they should win this division, what's the ceiling? Okay, well, it, it is the only team we know for sure that will be a, a threat to the Mets, the Dodgers? Like, is that the only team we know for sure we can say it might be better than the Mets? Absolutely. The Dodgers have the experience. They've won champ. They won a championship. They've been to three in the last four or five years. So that's the only team we can say, yeah, I, you know, I don't want to see them in the playoffs. Again, it's early, but what what's fun in sports talk if we don't do any projections? But here's what I would say. If... If there is a reason to have some negativity associated with the Mets, it's that, and I mentioned DeGrom and Scherzer coming back, they will come back at some point. What are you going to get from them when they do return? On DeGrom, clearly one of the best pitches we've ever seen. At his apex, I mean, hard to argue. We've seen uh, many better than him. But the next time he throws a pitch will be the first time in a game in about 12 months. So maybe he's going to be great. Maybe it's going to look like nothing ever happened. But no one can predict how long it's going to last because there is there is now evidence that he can be prone to injury. A- as great as he is, he, he has become susceptible, susceptible to injury. And now we're beginning to see an injury history for Max Scherzer as well, where last year, in the biggest game of the season for the Dodgers in that championship series against the Braves, he could not pitch because of arm fatigue. This year, skipped opening day because of a hamstring issue, and now he's on the shelf because of an oblique injury that at the start of this period, they they called it six to eight weeks. So we'll see how long he ends up being on the I.L., but that, that's an injury history. And he's 37. I, I don't know uh, if you, you get older and healthier. That, that's never been a thing. Usually as you age, the injuries pile up and it's harder to recover from them. Now, I hope he's able to come back and be the Max Scherzer that he was before he got hurt. I hope DeGrom is able to return and, and be that... Perennial Sign Young Award winner and look every bit as good as he was before the injuries, but you're you're kind of resting your championship hopes on the arms of two aging guys who who are developing an injury history. So that's what would concern me. Not about the, not about the division lead because I think the Mets will be they have enough firepower offensively and enough arms to get them through the regular season even if we don't see DeGrom and Scherzer, let's just say worst-case scenario, we don't see them till August 1st. They should be back before then, but if we call that the worst-case scenario, I still think the Mets will be fine. But going forward, and, and we, we, we look at the championship window for this team, it's resting on those arms, and if those guys aren't able to come back and sustain excellence, it's going to be tough to win a championship. So that's the only negative I would say about the Mets. Meanwhile, the Yankees... They're playing right now. They were not able to, to, to get a run across <laughs> despite having runners on first and third with nobody out. Um, but they're, they're in the bottom of the third inning in Tampa. That's your, That game is tied 1-1. They've taken two of the first three games. And all we heard about for the Yankees was they haven't played anybody. And I'm like, well, wow, that's odd to say for a team that currently has the best record in baseball, the best record within its division, the second-best run differential— they haven't played anyone. Uh, I, I mean, I, I saw them play the Blue Jays, who everyone wanted to crown as American League East champions, and they just kept beating them. And I watched the first two games or first three games of this series against the Rays, who have been the thorn in their side the last couple of years, and they've won the first two of three, and they've got a chance to take three or four. Their, their first matchup against what can ultimately become the biggest test for them in their division. I, I get the Blue Jays probably have the most talent. Many were were arguing before the season, which is why they picked them to go to the World Series. But the Yankees haven't seemed to, to be able to figure out the Rays the last couple of years. So I'm still going to call them the biggest um, qu- question mark, the, the biggest level of adversity is going to come in the form of the Tampa Bay Rays. And so far, they've looked good. Now, I'm not going to sit here and apologize for not thinking this team was good enough to win a championship when they came out of the off season, because we haven't gotten that far yet. I, I still want to see how the rest of the season unfolds right now. They're dealing with injuries. Just to update you, DJ Lemayhew has returned, uh, he, he played yesterday. He's also playing in again today, had that wrist injury. Aaron Hicks had a hamstring injury, but he pinched it yesterday. And I know you're going to find this shocking struck out. Um, Stanton's on the I.L., Donaldson's on the I.L., but those guys are expected to be back soon. Chapman and Loisica are on the I.L. Hermant is throwing live batting practice, so he's expected to be back. Uh, they lost Chad Green for the season. Luis Hill lost for the season. So they're dealing with that first injury bump this year, and, and, and it hasn't really phased them. Now you need to get your best players back in the lineup because the offense has lulled a little bit. Uh, in, in, in the recent days. But uh, Aaron Judge putting together an MVP caliber season, which, by the way, I mean, listen, this man bet on himself, and, and folks out there were were so critical of him. How could you not take the money? How How could you not take that fair offer that the Yankees gave to you? You're being selfish. He bet on himself... And now he's putting together what could go down as the best season of his career, even better than 2017, when he should have been the MVP, but the cheater Altuve won it instead. Judge bet on himself, and right now he's winning because now it's going to be an op- it's going to be a blank check, whatever you want. Now, if the- are the Yankees going to be the team that gives him that? That remains to be seen. I, I would say, like I. I don't want to really be the guy that's like giving what he wants because I I do understand that to some degree that can be detrimental to a franchise, just paying a player, especially a player as good as he is at that age, giving him uh, a a lengthy contract with all that money. I, I understand how that could ultimately stymie you going forward, but I would ask anyone out there, because every every year that the Yankees have been in contention under Aaron Boone, we get to the offseason, and the question is, how do we improve the roster? How do we improve the roster and get them closer to winning a championship? What does that path look like that doesn't involve Aaron Judge being pented into your lineup? The Yankees are not a championship team if Aaron Judge is not there. So are you going to lose him and then become come farther away from what the ultimate goal is? Haven't won a World Series since 2009. How are you getting closer to that if Aaron Judge isn't being retained? So I would love to have seen this situation resolved sooner, but I understand I understood the Yankees being hesitant because of his, his age and his injury history. After what he did in 2017, 2018, 2019, and 2020, he missed significant time because of multiple injuries. And as I mentioned with Degrom and Scherzer, you don't get older and healthier. So I understood why they were hesitant. But now you're in a situation where you're going to have to pay him. You're going to have to pay this guy his money. Pay him. Pay him. Pay him. pay the man his money. Like you're going to have to do it. And it's gonna be it's gonna be crushing if he ends up in another team. And I know folks have floated out this. The scenario where he he goes to the Mets, I don't see that happening. And maybe that's just wishful thinking. I I can't imagine the Yankees losing Aaron Judge to the Mets. That that would just be a devastating blow for the organization, especially with the Mets being as good as they are. It's not like he would be just joining a, a mediocre team. He'd be joining a great team. The Yankees got to find a way to to keep Aaron Judge. Have to find a way. <laughs>